Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. This is Neil McMillan inviting you to join me for Pulse of Politics. I'll be bringing you 30 minutes of interviews, conversation and commentary on issues that matter. That's Pulse of Politics. In looking at recent events, one has to say that it's not a good time to be in politics. New Zealand is still grappling with coronavirus and its consequences. Judgment calls are difficult to make in such extraordinary times and flawed decisions and scandals have impacted on government and opposition alike, and they are now to be judged at a general election. Less obvious and yet to be felt is the full impact of COVID-19 on local government. How serious are its problems? What lies ahead? And what should we reasonably expect from the people and parties we put into Parliament in September? To discuss these matters, we're joined today by the President of Local Government New Zealand, Dave Cole, recently long-term Mayor of Dunedin and now Chairman of the Southern DHB. And Dave has joined us in the studio, for which we're most grateful. Welcome, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Kia ora, Neil. Dave, not an easy time to be in local government. Uh, revenue's taken a big hit and the consequences may not yet have been fully felt. What is the scale of the impact on council revenues? The scale of the impact on council revenues was it varied across the, the country, but uh, it was most keenly felt by those councils who depend more on non-rates income. So it might be parking charges or entry fees or um, dividends from council-owned companies and things like that. So I think uh, Auckland was short about half a billion. Uh, and that would be the case right across the country. And that meant that the expectations on councils are at, during COVID and then following uh, were even more challenging. So those expectations were, first of all, to maintain essential services through the uh, emergency. And next, there was a call to restrain rates rises to, uh, quite understandably, mm. to be uh, cognizant of the t- of the tough times that businesses and, and other ratepayers were going through. And then thirdly, um, councils were asked to invest in infrastructure immediately afterwards. Now, obviously, some of those demands are contradictory and that put because they had a reduced income they were expected to reduce it further by reducing their rates increases and then they're expected to put money into investments all of those are understandable expectations but they conflict with one another mm. Auckland yeah, we, we've heard stories about how bad it has been in Auckland is it worse for urban councils than perhaps regional councils well it it could be, but not all for the same reasons. So, for, for instance, some regional councils had assets that provided them an income, like um, ports or things like that, or mm. council-owned companies. Some uh, regional councils, some other councils for that matter, had reserves that they could dip into, but others didn't. And it's not to their um, not to criticism of them that they didn't. Some councils have just never built them up, especially really small councils. So it varied across the country. As Dunedin's former mayor, how do you judge the situation here? 
I think um, Dunedin's in a pretty good space. Um, we, despite um, the perennial criticism about debt, um, Dunedin's debt loading is actually relatively low and manageable uh, by uh, national and international standards. Um, obviously, Dunedin, along with a lot of other councils, reprioritised their annual plan that they'd just been going into uh, and, and brought the rates rise down um, a little. But I think we're on a... Uh, a here, I think we're pretty well served and in a reasonably good position, especially as um, the new hospital build um, gathers steam. Um, that will maintain the economic impetus in the city. Well, the big question now that the nation's in election mode is what is local government New Zealand looking for from the political parties? <laughs> yeah, well, let's, 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 what, what's needed most urgently or in the short term? I think um, what, we've, what local government has been saying to central government for quite a long time is that the current funding mechanisms for local government are not sustainable. Uh, it's a very narrow base. Rating is a very narrow base, and that's where most of – something on average 60% of the income – of councils comes from, but actually it's a, a lot higher in some places than that. Um, that's not sustainable. And I think on the other hand, there are areas where local government knows that it could be much more helpful to their communities if they had more responsibility uh, that was devolved to them uh, around uh, maybe uh, social well-being areas and housing and things like that. And I think that what local government will be looking for from the next government is um, a heightened uh, a heightened mood to partner with local government at central government level on some of those well-being uh, issues, and maybe local government could be the implementation uh, arm of quite a lot of um, work that needs to be done. Where, where people are really feeling it in the provinces. Mm -hmm. in, this, in the past few days, local government New Zealand has had talks with the Prime Minister and other ministers? Yes, we, we've, we, we have regular talks with the Prime Minister. We have a regular central government, local government forum. And this year, because of COVID, it was all done by Zoom. And that enabled us to have follow-up meetings. Um, so we had... Um, the, the main meeting, then we had a follow-up meeting for the regional sector, the regional councils, then we had a follow-up meeting uh, with the metro councils, and today we had the last meeting, and that was with the rural and provincial, or the rural and provincial sector, not all the councils. Mm. So there were a number of relevant ministers there and the prime minister, and we talked through how um, certainly some of the government initiatives at the moment around uh, economic um, uh, stimulus and uh, three waters reform is affecting uh, local government, particularly at a rural and provincial level, and how we best work together to get the best outcomes from mm. that. Three waters reform, you might like to elaborate right. on that. Three waters, three waters refers to the three waters that uh, most district councils are responsible for. That's drinking water, wastewater, that's sewage, etc., and stormwater. And um, for decades now, it has been recognised that the situation around the provision of three waters services has been less and less satisfactory. And that's not 
just about local government's performance. But we had the Havelock North uh, incident mm-hmm. a couple of years ago where there was contamination. But there's also historically been uh, a lack of investment in renewed or new infrastructure for um, for Three Waters service. And with growth of, of uh, especially high growth places like Hamilton and Tauranga and Auckland, um, the ability of councils to main, keep ahead of the need has been really stretched. And, uh, and there's also been regulatory failure on the part of both central and local government in terms of regulating the standards expected in, in the environment and freshwater. And um, from the government's point of view, there's been a regulatory failure in terms of enforcing standards around drinking water and wastewater. The perennial question, and this is alternative forms of funding to supplement rates and so on, um, is there any progress being made there and does it become all the more urgent because of infrastructure needs? It does become more urgent because of infrastructure needs because one of the reasons that our current funding mechanism is, is unsustainable is the need to invest in growth infrastructure or renewed asset management, basically. And we have fallen behind as a country and not just at local government level. Our infrastructure across the country has has lacked uh, investment. So both central and local government are looking at, well, if, if you take the example of Three Waters, the government is looking at reconfiguring the way Three water services, or in this instance, firstly drinking water and then wastewater services are provided because at the moment they're provided by individual councils. And in addition to that, there's about 800,000 up to a million people in New Zealand who are served in terms of drinking water and probably wastewater services outside councils altogether. They're private water schemes or that sort of thing. Uh, now, if you just take the council ones, um, it's, it's the government's view that uh, a lot of the issues that I've talked about, lack of regulatory oversight, lack of investment, etc., could be cured or helped by some scale, by putting together the various council uh, service um, companies or departments into regional blocks, into regional aggregated authorities, and they would get gain efficiencies out of that that could then be utilised to, um, to invest in in um, enhanced infrastructure and growth infrastructure. So that's a, that's a process that's going on at the moment. And it's a process that the government is not just coming along and saying, this is how it's going to change, you're all going to get into that group or you're going to get into that group. There's a conversation going on right now around the country where we're a series of workshops where we're looking at what um, what the aggregations might look like and how um, councils might collaborate with one another and in, in regional and even in multi-regional blocks to try and create um, water supply or water authorities for both drinking and wastewater that would uh, be more efficient and provide better value and better service to our communities. This is not new. If I go back about 50 years, when I was a young reporter on these Haka Daily Times, I can recall meetings of the Waikawaiti and Waihimo County Councils, and they agreed to share their county engineer at that stage. Yes, that's an example of of shared services. So what we're not necessarily talking at all about is combining councils. We're mm-hmm. talking about shared services, mm. and, it, and it's a different thing. And I think it's a way of asking the question, 
there are a range of services that local government provides and central government for that matter. And it's asking the question, at what level should they be provided and, and what sort of aggregations need to be uh, um, achieved in order to be, do that most efficiently? But not just most efficiently. It's not just about cost. It's about value. It's about mm-hmm. how you provide the best value for your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's envisaged that these aggregated water authorities would actually be multiply council-owned. So each council would have a shareholding, depending on what their asset base was or how much they'd invested in the past, et cetera. But they would remain in council community ownership. Mm. You've been talking this week with the government. What about the other parties, considering that multiple parties form governments these days? Yes. um, Local Government New Zealand's had the attitude um, for years that we should talk to all parties um, because if for no other reason than uh, today's opposition at some stage will inevitably be part of the, the government. Um, but obviously, the, the, the main conversations are with the government of the day. And that, and that might be a, a number of different parties, but it's the government of the day because they're the ones that can be doing something now. Listeners, we're speaking with Dave Cole, President of Local Government New Zealand, Rates or grants in lieu of rates on government buildings. What's the receptivity towards that idea? Um, So this is central government-owned property that doesn't pay general rates. Mm. Well, local government would like them to and central government would like them not to. Um, There's there's all sorts of um, arguments uh, around it. Um, The bottom line is that... If a council is expected to provide services over a certain area and they have a high proportion of their uh, of their land uh, co- covered in um, co- um, government-owned buildings, government-owned property, then they're going to miss out on um, mm. quite a lot of rates. So it's not unreasonable to say, well, what co- what can we get to offset that? Is there any willingness among among the political parties? Well, nobody's. Um, <laughs> it could cost the money, of course. There's no money in the mail so far. Yeah. <laughs> the the Resource Management Act has long been a vexed issue. Uh, National wants to repeal the RMA. Is the RMA beyond amending to fulfil the intention from which it was created? And what would a repeal mean? Well, I, I think that's that's a, a very good question because clearly the whole area of planning and development needs regulatory oversight. So when the National Party says they would repeal it, uh, it's... A, it's a little simplistic because obviously they're going to need to replace it with something. Uh, and some of the conflicts that arise out of the current situation are the fact that um, the Resource Management Act is, is expected to apply to both, um, if you like, rural environments and um, dense urban areas. And a lot of people would argue that they're too different to have just one um, one-size-fits-all kind of legislation to, to cope with it and, and certainly one-size-fits-all one pl- planning regime, mm, uh, mm. etc. So we, everyone acknowledges it needs change, but um, 
unless you're a complete libertarian, I don't think anyone would argue that the need doesn't that we don't still need some regulatory oversight. In fact, if you look at the degradation of our environment and our waterways over the last few years, you could argue that the the, the rules haven't been either not been tough enough or not applied well enough. And the other question has been uniformity in in applying the RMA throughout the country. Yeah. It, that's always a, uh, an interesting one because on the one hand, you don't want odd exceptions to good principles, but on the other hand, you want to allow for local differences and it's finding mm. the sweet spot between the two. Dave, there's been increasing concern over the years at central government imposing more and more responsibility upon local councils without sufficient regard or compensation for what's involved, both in terms of cost and in terms of manpower. Yeah, that, we call those unfunded mandates. Mm. Um, and there have been rather a lot. Um, I was talking to a mayor of a small council in the North Island just a few weeks ago, and she told me that of their rates rise, well, their, their rates rise was 3% plus other things. The 3% was just from central government-imposed demands. That's what they had to put on top of their rates. And then they had their own increases. So it's not insignificant, especially to very small councils. It makes a big difference um, to the individual rate payers. Um, we, uh, a local government in New Zealand actually proposed to the previous government that there, there ought to be a mechanism by which local government, if there were a bill coming to the, to the House that, that imposed anything or made any changes for local government, that local government should be part of a working group to look through that bill beforehand. That was declined by the previous government, but we thought it was reasonably, um, and, and even the, the impact statement that accompanies most mm, bills mm. Uh, should, but it often doesn't, uh, outline what the real impact on local government will be. But often the people who are drafting the bills um, in, in government departments probably don't understand what the impact on, on local government would be, and they're not allowed to ask them. Mm -hmm. Is, uh, from your own experience as a former mayor of Dunedin, how, how, um, what was the biggest impact in terms of these uh, requirements being imposed on the local council? Well, sometimes it was just a lot more demand on our, um, on our staff. They had to just mm -hmm. jump through more hoops or fill more forms in or get other people to fill more forms in, but it's all work. But I can think of a couple of um, instances where uh, the government of the day uh, partnered with, suggested something to, to um, it might be, I think we had safety officers on the street for a while and they were half paid for by the central government and half paid for by the local government. And that was great and people really, our community really appreciated them until um, the central government a few years later said, oh, well, we're going to stop, we're going to stop paying now. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult for local government, for the council to say, oh, well, we're going to stop as well and, and can it. So what often happens in those instances is, where, is that the council ends up paying for the lot. And so, again, the rates go up. Mm. Earlier, you touched on the question of more authority being devolved to local government. In what particular areas would you envisage that? 
This is something that um, that local government New Zealand calls by the very clumsy term localism. Mm. Uh, we believe that it's pretty obvious that you get the best outcomes if decisions are made as close to the people they affect as possible. Now, that doesn't mean that everything has to be decided at a council or community board level. What it means is depending – well, there's two, two parts to it really – you want a whole lot more community input to decisions. And so driving down decision-making right into community boards and councils and having good interaction with communities and when you've got responsibility uh, for that is, is a really good thing. Um, the other side of it is that not everything should be dis- decided at the lowest level. And the, the, mm. the three waters we were talking about is an is example. I mean, if... If you go back in history, in Dunedin, we had St Kilda, we had um, Mosgear, we had Port Chalmers, all these were individual councils, and no one would argue now that they should all be running their individual water networks. Mm, mm. So it, we need to be thinking, where's the optimum level that localism prevails, and, and where's it best those responsibilities best implemented? Mm. It's claimed from time to time that New Zealand has too many local bodies Shouldn't we be looking at more unitary authorities or greater cooperation between the councils, which you've already touched on? Look, I don't think that just just having fewer councils is is the answer, um, because what you're weighing up, what a lot of people say is, oh, well, it's more efficient and you'd save money. Well, you would, but you also lose representation. Mm-hmm. So it's and that's important to people. It's important to communities that they, if if you're going to have. De- genuine localism where the community actually has some input. It, there's no, not much point in saying, right, well, the lower half of the South Island is one council. And if you want to talk to uh, – if, if you're Mr. So-and-so from St. Clair and you want to talk to the council, come up to Christchurch. Mm. Uh, so obviously it's finding that balance between representation and efficiency. And it might not be the same for all services. Dave, in our final moments, there have been many examples of retired MPs going into local government, and uh, many have become mayors, and I can think of uh, Phil Goff, uh, Leanne Delziel, Steve Chadwick, uh, Harry Dinehoven, Fran Wilde, the, the list goes on, but few, it seems, go from local government into central government politics. I guess a good example would have been Warren Cooper from Queenstown yeah. who went into, into local into central government and then reverted to being mayor of Queenstown for a second term. Uh, as president of local government New Zealand, would you like to see more people who've experienced in local government going into central government? I think it would be a good thing because I think the paucity of people in central government with local government experience leads to some uh, unfortunate prejudices on the part of some central government politicians about uh, who are, frankly, ignorant of local government. Um, but I suspect that with the younger cohort coming into local government now, they've got time in their lives to go on to central government if, that, if they so wish, although watching the shenanigans lately, you've got to wonder whether you'd want to. Um, but uh, I would suggest that in the past, most mayors were older white hmm. men. And by the time they'd finished being mayor, they were probably too old to be standing as a, an electorate MP for the first time. 
So that's probably explained some of that. I suppose an exception would be Lawrence Ewell, who was a former president of uh, local government New Zealand. He's now national MP for Tukituki. Yes, he's a good example, and he was a four-term mayor of Hastings. That's right, yeah. yes. Well, Dave Cole, thanks so much for joining us in this critical pre-election period. We've previously appreciated you coming onto our program while you were mayor of Dunedin, and most grateful you found time in the final weeks of tenure as President of Local Government New Zealand. Thanks so much indeed. Kia ora, Neil. This is, we've been speaking with Dave Cole, President of Local Government New Zealand and previously Mayor of the City of Dunedin. And that's our programme for the week. And this is Neil McMillan closing with a reminder, you can catch Pulse of Politics at the same time every week on air, online or on podcast. You've been listening to Pulse of Politics, broadcast every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. If you'd like to hear this program again, you can download a podcast from oar.org.nz. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.